Revelation. You have your Bibles this morning. We're going to look at two. Everyone say two. Two Two passages of Scripture. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, verse chapter 11, verse 17. Mark chapter 11, verse 17. And then we're going to look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. But I want to make you available this morning to a couple of prayer resources. We're beginning, we're beginning this morning a series entitled, When God's People Pray. And we are going to go on a journey. And uh, we're going to take a journey together as a church. And some of us, for some of us, it's going to be a brand new experience, really delving into this era of communicating and talking with God. But for others, you know, it's been a lifelong journey, but I believe that there's going to be a, just a sense of renewal and a fresh passion to go after God and our relationship with Him in a new way over these next six weeks as we take our journey together. And so we've made some resources available for you. And the first thing that I want you to make aware of this morning is what I call Take 5. Everyone say Take 5. Our Take 5 is basically this. Every day I'm challenging you, or once a week, depending on the activity, I'm challenging you every day to start your day in prayer, to make it the first thing that you do in your day. Now listen, listen. One of the great challenges for every person here One of the great challenges is to really give God the first part of your day. There's so much business, so much activity, our minds, but to really focus on giving the first part of your day to God. The second thing that I'm going to challenge you to do is to read your Bible every day. You know, it's a little children's song, read your Bible and pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Well, we've got a little prayer journal here, a little little journey that you can take. And I'm going to challenge this congregation to read the New Testament. To read the New Testament, that's 26 books. Some of them are one chapter, some are three chapters, some are five chapters, some are 28 chapters. But I'm going to challenge us over the next 40 days to read through the New Testament. It's about six chapters a day. It'll take you approximately 20 to 25 minutes a day. And so I'm going to challenge us as a congregation to read the New Testament together. Now, how many of you, just if you were totally honest and Jesus He's in the room, but he was sitting next to you, and he knows your heart. You would say, I watch television 20 minutes a day. Okay. How many of you say that I, I Google search on the Internet, goof around on my computer 20 minutes a day? Okay. How many say Facebook 20 minutes a day? All right. 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. You begin your day. And then I'm going to challenge us to give up one thing, fast. The Bible called, in, in the Bible, they fasted food. Some of you can fast food for a lunch, for a dinner. Some of you can fast for a whole day. I'm going to challenge you to fast television, media, I mean, whatever you feel the Lord impress upon your heart. I'm going to challenge you to fast something, something that you enjoy to do just for one day as an act of sacrifice, as an act of worship to really kind of discipline your body. I'm going to uh, discipline your mind and your heart. I'm going to challenge you to fast something one day a week. And then I want everyone to attend a small group. Everyone say, attend a small group. We have lots of small groups. We've worked hard. I know it's summertime. Listen, if you can only make it to two or three uh, of, the, of the five or the six that we're going to be having, I would challenge everyone here once a week on a Friday night to commit yourself to a small group. And then on Sunday, go to church. Everyone say, go to church. All right, those are the five things, our take five that we're going to do. This summer. And then we have a couple more resources real quick. We have what we call our daily bread. I mean, this is free. It's a great little devotional. I read this almost every day. It's always got a great power thought for the day. Take one of these. You can make this part of your also your prayer experience and talking with the Lord. And then Tom has produced a CD. You've heard 
uh, maybe you heard it when you were coming in this morning or playing it between the services. Next week, he'll have uh, it for the congregation, about 25 minutes of just piano praise. And it's just really beautiful. I, I, my wife and I have been listening to it this week. And you'll be able to put it in your car, in your home. And just, it's really a wonderful just way for you to enter into the presence of God. And we will make that available for you this coming week. Well, if you have your Bibles, like I said, turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 17. We're going to stand together for the reading of God's Word. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse number 17. Then he taught, saying, Then he, speaking of Jesus, taught, saying, It is it not written, My house, everyone say, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Everyone say, Prayer for all nations. The word na- nations in the Greek is ethnos, it, it means ethnic groups. I love, I love City Church. I love this church because when I look around on Sunday morning, it's representative of all nations. People from literally from all nations are part of this church family. It is one of the most beautiful things that takes place, I believe, in this city or in any city. And we gather to worship God, and we are a reflection of heaven. See, when we get to heaven, it ain't going to be all Republicans, Democrats, Independents, whatever. It's going to be it's going to be ethnic groups. It's going to be the peoples of the nation that have bowed their knee to Jesus, that are worshiping Him forever and ever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. My house should be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you have made a den of thieves. Even in Jesus' day, churches did everything but pray. The house of God did, we did everything but pray. We had fish fries, we had family fun nights, we got all kinds of activities, we do all kinds of things. But Jesus said the priority of our life should be prayer. I want you to turn to one more passage. It's called the pattern prayer. It's actually what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He taught them how to pray. Now, if you were to be really honest, we're going to be really, just lay it all out, bare bones this morning. How many would say, you have to, don't raise your hand. I don't want, you know, don't raise your hand. But you would just say, praying for me is a challenge. You know, praying, it's a, really a challenge for me every day to commit a set-aside time where I really clear my mind, my thoughts, my heart, and just focus on praying and talking to God. Really honest. How many of you ever struggle with, do my prayers really matter? Have you ever struggle, does it really matter if I pray today? Does God really answer prayer? And if He does answer prayer, how come I don't see my prayers answered? Or in the way that I think they should be answered. See, these are all things that we wrestle through as believers, as Christians. People just in general wrestle through these things. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. This morning we're going to talk about the pattern prayer. Next week we're going to talk about the prayer of Abraham. Abraham, who was a friend of God. He was a friend of God. The Bible says that he prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah, that God would not destroy or pour out his wrath upon a people. He was an intercession. We're going to talk about intercessory prayer, standing in the gap on behalf of others. And then the week following, we're going to talk about Moses' prayer. Moses had a relationship, a special relationship with God. His relationship with God earned him the title, the meekest man on the face of the earth. The closer that you get to God, the more you realize that you are not God. The closer you draw near to him, the more you recognize your need. We're going to talk about Moses' prayer. So God, I need your presence. We're going to talk about the presence of God in our prayer and the need for God. But then we're going to talk about the prayer of Jabez, the prayer of blessing, the heart of the Father for you today, the heart of God for you. And then the following week, we're going to talk about the prayer of a woman, a woman who was persistent, Luke 18, when she was persistent in her prayer. And then we're going to conclude our series with the prayer of a pastor, a pastoral prayer with Paul's heart for the church. 
And we're going to talk about my heart for prayer, my heart for you. This morning we're going to talk about the pattern prayer. And this is what Jesus actually taught his disciples how to pray. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning with verse number 6, he says, that, hey, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. This is a struggle. Don't be like the people who say one thing and do another. But when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, when you pray, go to your Father, go to your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. In this manner, or in this pattern, or in this way, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. You may be seated. My personal journey, if prayer has been a personal journey. I was reflecting back on my life, and it was probably about 13 years of my life, 13, 14 years of my life, that I really struggled with prayer. I just struggled. I mean, I was a Christian. I was even in ministry, but I found myself praying a lot of desperate prayers. I mean, I would have seasons and times where I prayed, but that consistent daily time with God would just always seem to be elusive. And I remember in Bible college, you know, I remember praying, okay, Father, and who is Father? And I got a dad over here, and I remember working through all those emotions of learning how to pray. And sometimes I think that prayer is such a struggle because we fail to see prayer as a dialogue, as a communication between two friends. It, it actually goes beyond that, but, but a, a, a conversation, a conversation that we have with our Creator. I've actually set out an empty chair this morning. It's, it's not really empty because this morning we've invited a very special guest into our service. He was born in Bethlehem. He lived about 2,000 years ago. He grew up in the region of, of Nazarene. About the age of 30, he entered into public ministry and he told people the good news. He lived a perfect life. He only did good. He went around healing everyone who was affirmed of the devil. And for three years, he broadcast the kingdom of God. At the end of those three years, he willingly gave up his life. He was nailed to a tree, and on the third day, he resurrected from the dead. Fifty days later, he ascended up to heaven where the Bible says he's now praying and making intercession for you. But when you pray, when you call upon him, when you invite him to your midst, he will be there with you. This morning, I want to welcome to you our Lord and Savior, the King of Kings. His name is Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give our King a great big hand this morning. Come on, let's welcome our King into this place. Come on, let's welcome King Jesus. Come on, let's welcome King Jesus into this place. Yes, we worship you, Lord. We welcome you, Jesus. We welcome you as our King. We welcome you as our King. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome, Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. We love you so much. 
this journey of prayer. So I believe everyone prays. I believe everyone prays. But sometimes the priorities of prayer get askew. Sometimes we pray this prayer. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. I mean, sometimes our prayer really just, it gets right to the need. Oh, God, I got a test today, and I really didn't get to study. Save me, Jesus. You're driving down the road, and it's a 35, and you're going 48, and the bubbles pop on. Or you see the guy with the radar up ahead, and all of a sudden, you get your prayer language back. Oh, halababa. Oh, we're praying. I'm praying that radar bounces off my tire and hits the guy next to me. Come on. I mean, we all pray. Don't care. Everybody prays. Everybody prays. But prayer is not magic. It's not magic. Sometimes uh, uh, people will kind of have this thought about prayer, you know, that they say the right words. If I say, in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you just say it right. Right? True? You know, if we just get the right formula on prayer. Memorize the right words. I mean, millions of people know this prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be I mean, millions of people, billions probably around the earth have said this prayer. And it's just, it's, it's mechanical. It's real. It doesn't have any meaning to them. You see, it wasn't to be memorized, to be manical, mechanical. I, I memorized this prayer. But it, it, it's, it's meant to be a model, a way for us to communicate so we can have the right priorities in our prayer life. It's not magical. It's not mechanical. Prayer is not just something about me getting what I can get. Prayer isn't just good therapy. You know, it's a good thing, you know, so it doesn't matter. Prayer isn't just a good thing, something therapeutic to whatever deity you choose to pray to. No, 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 no. And that's all these kind of concepts with the word. Prayer is a direct communication between you and God. The point, can you put the point up this morning for me? So I can just read it off the wall. That'll help me out. The point, when I pray this prayer regularly, a pattern for prayer becomes fixed in my mind. An outline of how I'm to pray is established in my heart so that God's priorities are underlined and brought into focus in my daily life. So God's priorities, God's purposes, God's plans, God's will, God's kingdom become the priority in my life. And so we're going to go on a prayer journey together. We're going to take the next 18 minutes and 27 seconds. We are going to pray. We're going to learn how to pray together. I'm going to take you into the secret place with me. This is how I do it. This is what I would do. This is what I do do. This is what I do do. And so we're just going to spend some time with Jesus. Jesus, again, thank you for being with us this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you that you gave us these words so that we can learn how to pray. Because some of you, I mean, for many, many, I mean, we, you know, we just struggle and we're up and down. And, and I'm just going to challenge you for 40 days to take five. Just take a break. This, you know, summer renewal. Really renew yourself spiritually this summer. This little prayer card is an awesome pattern. It's an awesome pattern. It's a great tool for you to go through when you pray. It's a great tool. Scott came up to me between, between, uh, before the service and said in 1987, he got this prayer card. And in the eight, 1980s, there was a great revolution, really a spiritual revolution in the church. And there was a great emphasis on prayer. And things tend to up and go and wane and disappear and and I just believe that there is something birthing in the spiritual realm, not just at City Church, but around the world. People are realizing, I mean, I mean as the economy gets shaker and, and the events around the world geopolitically, the nations at war and all the things in the Middle East, I just believe there's going to be a birthing. And it's what it's going to do is it's going to separate wheat and tares. 
it's going to separate people who are really focused and passionate about God's kingdom from people who are just trying to make it. And, and that's two different ways of living. Two different ways of living. I want you to see the very first thing this morning in our prayer. The way that we begin prayer is with praise and thanksgiving. The way that we begin our prayer time is with praise and thanksgiving. I love this verse. It's from Jeremiah chapter 29. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You will be found by God. You will find God. You will find God when you search for him with all of your heart. The first priority of your life. The reason that you were created the reason you were created, the reason you were brought into this world wasn't to work a job, although you're going to work in this world. The reason you were created was to be a worshiper of God. And the first priority of your prayer time, of your time alone with Him, is to give Him praise and thanksgiving. Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. The word Father, Jesus actually spoke in Aramaic. You know, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which was the common Greek language of the day. Jesus knew Hebrew because Jesus was a scholar and, and he was a rabbi, a rabboni, or a teacher. And the Hebrew and the Jewish culture was reserved just for the scholars or just for the teachers. But the common language of the day was Aramaic. It was the common man language. And Jesus used this word, Abba. Abba. Our Father. Abba. That's what it is in Aramaic. Our Father. Abba. Daddy. It's a conversation with your daddy. You know, the challenge that some people have is earthly fathers weren't that good. And so when they start thinking of daddy meeting their needs, that didn't work that way in their earthly experience. And to make that jump into your, the heavenly realm seems to be difficult. But as you begin to do this, as you begin to give praise and thanksgiving to your Father in heaven, you begin to thank Him that you can come boldly into His presence, into the throne room of God. You can come boldly. And the reason that you have access to your Father today is because of what Jesus Christ did for you and I. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. And because he spilt and shed his blood, he made a divine way for you and I to enter into the very throne room of God. He made it possible for every person on the planet, regardless of race, nationality, ethnic background, regardless of social, social economic background, regardless of what, what city or nation or country they're born in, he made it possible for every person to have a relationship with the Father. And so we thank God that we can call Him Father by virtue of the blood of Jesus. We begin to worship Him as our God and our Savior. We have some of the names of, that are reflective of the characteristics of God. You have them right there in your card. How many of you do not have a card? I guess they've been stopped there. Oh my goodness, ushers, we got some people that slip by without a card. Just keep your hand up real quick. Thank you. Oh. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are Jehovah, our righteousness. Teniskinu. You are Jehovah who sanctifies. Jehovah, Kadesh. We thank you that you cleanse us from all of our sins by the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your spirit is in us. You give us peace. You are Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace. You are Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. You never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you today. I thank you that you are the Jehovah Rapha. You give me soundness of mind and body. 
I'm waking up, Lord, today. I'm not feeling very good, but I thank you that you're my healer, and I'm going to pick myself up and move on. We thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha. We thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh. You're the God who gives success and prosperity. I thank you that you're the God of blessing and favor, that you're going to meet every need. I thank you that you're the God who is my security. You're the God who is my banner. I lift it up in the, in the heat of the battle. We win. I thank you that you're my shepherd. You laid down beside me. We thank you that you are with us. I thank you, Father. And then we move on to his son, Jesus. We move on to his son, Jesus, and we begin to thank Jesus that he is the rod. He is the lamb of God. He is the son of God. He is the bread of life, the savior, the light of the world. He is the I am. He is the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the vine, the master, the Lord, the friend, friend, the king of kings. He is our advocate. He is the life and the resurrection and the power. He is Jesus. He's your God. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. So we're just praising him. I, I can tell you, if you do this little thing right here and you move on, then you begin to thank the Father that has revealed himself through his son Jesus, but he's given us the promise of his spirit who lives in us and will be with us forever. Your heart, I mean, you could pray an hour and hardly, I mean, you just, oh my goodness, an hour is hard. I never even read my Bible yet. I mean, you could spend all your time because that I have found this is the right way to begin every prayer. Our, t- our tendency is to move the, per- t- the provision and the fighting the battles, but. We begin this right here, the presence of God. The presence of God dwells in the praises of his people. God says, I inhabit, I dwell, and I live in the, pre- in the praises of my people. That's why we begin our worship service of praise. It isn't just a format, a diddly. It's what allows us to enter into the very presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit fills us. He lives in us. He commissions us. He gives us a message. He gives us the goal of life to live victorious over sin, to fight the battle spiritually. We begin to thank him today. We thank Him that He fills us with His Spirit. And so we begin to give Him praise and thanksgiving. And then we move on to the second part of our prayer. We begin to declare His purpose and destiny in our life. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Listen, guys, this is what Jesus, this is how Jesus said to pray. His kingdom, His purposes. Father, in my life, I pray for Your kingdom to come and Your will. Not my will. Not my will, but your will be done today. I begin to pray over my family. I pray for my wife. I literally pray for my wife. This morning I was up again and I, I was going through my prayer card and I was praying for my wife. I pray for God's strength and grace in her life. Pray for my boys. Pray God's strength and blessing. I pray that God would preserve them and protect them and keep them, give them wisdom. I pray for my son. Sometimes I stand outside their doors at night when they're asleep and I just point my hands I lay my hands on their doors and I just pray blessing over them. I pray the blessing of a father. Pray for my children. I pray for my sisters. I I pray for my nieces and for my nephews. I I pray for my family because, listen, if I don't pray for them, who will? I mean, who's going to pray? Who is going to pray? I pray for my family. I pray for my church. I pray for the pastors and the leadership team, the administration team. I, I pray for our staff. I pray for you. This week, my people's names are coming to my mind, and I was praying for different people in our church situations and circumstances. I was praying. Praying for the faithfulness of God's people in His house, that we'd be faithful to do all of His will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Praying for the harvest, the thousands of people that still need to be saved that God has called us to in this city. It's praying for the ministry, God's blessing. You pray for your job. 
you pray that you'll have a right heart towards your boss, a right attitude in your, your, with other co-workers. You pray for the success of your business. Because if your business doesn't succeed, you lose your job. So you pray blessing. Come on, amen. You pray for people. You pray for the city. You pray. Jeremiah says, seek the peace of the city and pray to the Lord for it. We pray for the community of Sanford. We thank God that he's brought this church into this community to be a light and to be a witness. We pray for our nation. We pray for our president and those in authority. I think because we're Americans, sometimes we get this confused. And we think because we're Americans, you know, and we are Americans, and we thank God for the revolution, and we thank God for all the wars and all the men that spilt and the women that spilt their blood. But the goal wasn't to spill their blood. The goal was to spill the other guy's blood. But we thank God the people that paid a sacrifice so we could be free. But let me tell you, the kingdom of God goes way beyond national borderlines. The kingdom of God enters into every sphere of every culture in the world. And God didn't give us permission to criticize. There's not one scripture verse in the Bible the Bible, the word, where God says you can criticize your president. But God does say pray for your president. Pray for kings and for those in authority so that you may live a peaceable life. So we pray for our nation. Can we do that right now? This is 4th of July weekend. Let's just do that. Let's just pray for our nation. Before we move on, let's just pray right now. Can we do that? Just lift your hands and I want you to just begin to pray for your president. It's, the Bible tells us to do it. Pray for kings. Our king, our president, is President Barack Obama. Let's pray for Barack Obama and his wife, Michelle, and the children. Can we do that right now? Father, I pray for our president. I thank you that as a, as a community of believers, you called us to pray for kings and for those who are in authority over us. Father, we thank you that you have placed this man. You have placed, you've allowed this man to be president for this hour, for this season. And God, we pray great grace. God, the pressures and the stresses and the things that he feels, I have no comprehension or idea of. And I pray that your strength and your grace, God, that our president would even turn his heart towards you. And God, I'm sure that there are many times in the night season where he's just said, oh, God, what am I doing? How do I do this? God, I pray that you will speak to him. Pray for his wife, Michelle, and for their children, divine protection today. We pray for the leadership of the Senate, for the, for the Congress today. We pray for those in spiritual authority. As a Christian community, we pray for this city. We pray for the leadership of, of the city of Sanford. We pray for the mayor Triplin, for the council people, for the members on the Seminole County Board of Commission. We pray for those in authority. God, in this community and city, so that we may be people at peace. For a great renewal and spiritual revival to come to our nation. We do exactly what you told us to do, Jesus. We pray. We bless them in your name. And then Jesus moves on to provision. Number three, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus said, before you're asked, your father already knows that you have need of. Your father knows that you have need of daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Lord, that you provide everything that we have need of. I love Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's right, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It's over on the right-hand side of your, your, uh, your prayer guide there. It says, it is God who gives you the power to get wealth that he might establish his covenant in the earth. Pray God's blessing. God, I thank you that you bless my job. I thank you for provision of my job for my family. Thank you that I can provide resources for your kingdom to advance in our community. I pray for the will of God in my work life and my work habits that I obey you in every area. Father, I thank you today that your will for me is to prosper. Father, you delight in the prosperity of your children. Thank you that you love to give good gifts to me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you love to give good gifts. Thank you, Father. 
very specific with your prayers. So many prayers are wishful thoughts, and they're not specific enough. What do you want me to do, Jesus said. And the man said, I want to see. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I want to be healed. What do you want? I mean, be specific. Be specific in your prayers. Be tenacious. Don't give up. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep going after God. Ask for His blessings and provision in our home, your family, your business, your church, and the lives of others. The fourth thing that Jesus laid out before us, He said, forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. Forgive yourself. One of the most difficult people to forgive on the planet is yourself. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And when we sin and we fall short of God's purpose, shame comes, guilt comes, sense of failure, inadequacy. And the fact is you sin. You're going to sin. The goal of life isn't to sin. The goal of life is to be free from sin. That it happens by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. But you will fail. You will fall short. And so forgive yourself. 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, If you say that you have no sin, you are a liar. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our wrongdoing. And so I pray that. I heard Joyce Meyer, my wife, was listening to her a couple of weeks ago in the morning, and heard Joyce Meyer say that very thing. She said, one of the very first things I do after I spend time in praise and worship to God, I ask Him to cleanse me. Ask Him to forgive me. Wrong thoughts, wrong attitudes towards people, offenses, things that have harbored. Because listen, you got to forgive and release other people. All this that we've said right now is completely null and void. All this that we said right now is completely null and void if we hold offense or harbor a grudge or say that we hate anyone. Those are strong words. The word hate is very strong. John says that if you say you hate anyone, you're a liar. You're not of the truth. You're not of the light. That's, those are scary words to say, I hate somebody. Those are scary words because that means you have an offense towards that person. And the moment we allow offense, because listen, we we all be offended. Every person in this room is going to be offended. There is going to be somebody that God places in your life that really irritates you. They really frustrate you. I call them EGRs. You know what that is? Extra grace required. When God brings them into your life, you know why? Because God wants you to become more like Jesus got to release forgiveness. Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Release forgiveness. Because Jesus said, if you don't do this, your Father in heaven won't hear any of your prayers. Much sickness, much sickness, not all, much sickness and disease in people's lives is a direct result of people holding on to bitterness, unable to forgive a ex-spouse, unable to forgive a parent, unable to forgive someone in their life. This area of forgiveness is a big deal. It's a big deal big deal to God. Forgive us our sins and direct relationship to our ability to forgive others. Then number five, I want you to see this here. Because we're in a church where and in many churches, especially in our brand of Christianity or in our kind of stream of Christianity, we have a lot of teaching on spiritual warfare. There's a lot of teaching on spiritual warfare. But I want you to see that spiritual warfare is the fifth thing that Jesus said. It wasn't the first thing because, listen, when you practice the presence of God, when you enter into His presence with praise and thanksgiving in your life this morning, the enemy can't stand it. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. And everywhere that God, everywhere that God is, the devil ain't. 
Come on. Everywhere that God is, Satan hates the presence of God. But you must recognize you are in a spiritual battle. If you are not gauged in spiritual warfare today, the devil has just run all over you. If you don't recognize today that you have a real-life enemy who hates your guts, hates your family, and has come to kill, steal, and to destroy, and you're not fighting against him with the weapons of our warfare. You see, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. You see, the way you fight against the enemy is you put on the full armor. Paul said it very clearly in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. He said, listen, stand against all the wiles, all the fiery darts of the evil one. Put on the full armor of God. So before we go out into battle, before we go out to our workplace and have to get along with people and put the great big Christian happy button smile on, come on, before we, before we leave the presence of God, now, well, listen to me, we do not pray to the devil. Way too many Christians talk to the devil way too much. Talk to the devil way too much. We rebuke the devil. We rebuke him in the name of Jesus, but we do not spend our time bringing accusation against the devil. That's foolish. We pray to God by the authority that is in the name of Jesus, and we take authority against the devil, but we don't pray to the devil. Pray to your Father, which art in heaven. Holy is his name. Listen to me today. When you engage in spiritual battle, when you put on the full armor, the helmet of salvation, and you have your loins girded about with truth, and you have this breastplate of righteousness and this shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the evil one, and you have on, I've got some brand new shoes today, man. Come on, we've got your shoes. Good news shoes. Come on, these are shoes of the gospel of peace. And you take your shoe off and you just stomp on that devil's head in the name of Jesus. While you worship him in your room all by yourself, you're just worshiping God. And the presence of Jesus is fighting all of your battles. Come on, Jesus fights your battles today. Jesus is victor. Jesus is your king. Lead us not into temptation. I mean, I'm praying, Lord, lead me as far away from the devil as I can get. I want to drift up and see how close I can get to the world. That's foolish. Lead me away from temptation. I even pray, lead me away from troubles. I, I don't like trouble. Anybody here like trouble? Uh, I don't like trouble. But sometimes I feel like i got a trouble magnet on me. It's right on my back end here. And everywhere I go, man, it's just like, I'm like, Jesus, I'm trying to run from that trouble. Lead me away from temptation, from testings. Because the evil one, the evil one, has a plot for your life. And if the presence of Jesus and a connection with God isn't happening on a divine daily basis in your life, he will run roughshod right over you. Every failure of the life of the believer is a failure of prayer and intimacy with God. Every single one. It is a fact. It's in my life. I, I admit it. That's why every day, listen, as the older I get, the longer that I do this, the more I'm like, oh, God, I need you. I need your mercies every morning. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Yours, his kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seek first, Jesus said, the kingdom of God and all these things. You seek first his kingdom, provision is going to be yours. Life is going to be yours. Restore relationships. It's just part of God's kingdom. It's part of being his child. He cares. He loves. He wants to have a conversation with you. He's in the chair right here. He's right with us today. And he's, he's saying the final thing. 
Amen. <laughs> Jesus just said amen. Thank you, Jesus, for just agreeing with everything I said. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh, you know, amen means I agree. So be it. I'm in agreement with what Jesus, what Jesus wants for my life. I'm in agreement today. The promises of God are yes and amen. They're yes and amen to them that believe. When I say amen, I pray in faith. And when I begin to pray in faith, mountains begin to move. Obstacles and troubles and temptations begin to move. When I begin to pray in faith, the divine presence of God that dwells and lives in me, the reality of it, the smoke screens, the distractions, the, the fogginess of the mind and the heart, they just begin to go away. Because I've invited his presence into my life. And I always say, you know what? If you begin in praise, end in praise. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to stand together. And we're just going to spend some time in praise. And this is what I want us to do this morning. You see, for the next 40 days, we're going to take five. And I'm going to challenge us as a congregation to go on this journey. I know it's summertime and we're going on vacations. And that's all great and awesome and cool. And you can only make a small group twice or three times, whatever you can do. But sign up. And I challenge you to start every day in a time of prayer. I challenge you today to shut off the TV, the internet, or whatever you got to do to close yourself away for 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Read the New Testament. I challenge you to do that. Maybe some of you this morning, you want to take this next step. It's a step what I call the amen step. It's a faith step. And this is an act of faith to Jesus. As an act of faith, you're just going to come to the altars and agree with Jesus. Maybe you could just do that. We're going to stand together right now you want to just come into an agreement with me this morning, we're just going to come to the altars and we're going to dedicate this summer to renewal, to taking five, to going after God. Tom's going to lead us in worship and this is going to be the closing thing we do. We're going to come. It's going to challenge you this morning to take five, to make prayer the priority of your life, a relationship with your King and your Savior.